0: Hey guys, welcome back to Andrea Town. This week's guest is Jocelyn Sharp, very funny female comedian. And uh, we get deep. We talk about comedy. She tells a great story about how she got started in this crazy business. And um, we also delve into some issues about uh, eating disorders and recovery and all that. So sit back, enjoy, and let's go.
1: Next up, hang town, all aboard. You want to know just where...
0: Okay everybody, welcome to Andrea Town. Today we have the very lovely Jocelyn Shar. Hi. Welcome to Summerlin.
1: Oh, <laughs> I love Summerlin. I used to live in Centennial, so this is, you know, on oh, the way, okay. on the way to my old hood. Yeah, I love it up here. I call it the Beverly Hills of Las Vegas. That's exactly what it is. The <laughs> the richest people in Vegas live in Summerlin. That's that's hundred percent true. But it's funny because
0: you don't really have to be rich to live in Summerlin. No. Like <laughs> my friends came to visit me when I first moved here and I had like a pool and a jacuzzi and this house, and they were like, Wow, it's like you made it. I go, Yeah, and all I did was move. Yeah, just the cost of living <laughs> is so cheap here. Yeah, it's wonderful. They were like, Wow, you're doing really well. Yeah. I'm like, nah, I just live in Vegas, you know.
1: <laughs> I hope it's always like this, but I don't think it will be. No, so. we're getting too big of an influx with the California people. Uh, So many people are migrating here, man. Stay where you are. It's happening in comedy, too. We have a ton of comics coming into town. They're moving here.
0: I know. And everybody's like, I'm an L.A. comic. I'm like, shut up.
1: Yeah, it's like, whatever. (laughs) Now you're a Vegas comic. That's what you are now. You live here. You're a Vegas comic. You live here,
0: yeah. And I was surprised too. So the first time we met, I did um, a show that you were hosting at Planet Hollywood.
1: Yes. Which isn't there anymore. No, it's not there anymore. It's a
0: great stage.
1: Yeah, that was comedy in dolls or the second show uh they had was we got jokes so it was under that same umbrella and then that was like it was like a late night tuesday night i think yeah that's what it was yeah Yeah, and i I was filling in as a host and it was just like kind of like a open mic mining show for the for the regular showroom show and so that's where like the producer got to see like new comic talent oh cool and then it just kind of fell off by the wayside and the guy who owned the guy who owned the venue was really old and like he was ready to retire, like, was he? He barely like wanted to keep it going as long as he had. Like mm-hmm. it was just one more thing on his to do list when he could just like go sit by a pool and sit by ties all day. Like he was and not, yeah, he wasn't interested anymore. <clears throat> no contest on yeah.
0: that. Yeah, I'll never forget. It was like a competition or something. Yeah, there and was like
1: was... twenty seven people in the right. audience in in a hundred and fifty seat showroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I and I remember it was like I had a great
0: set, and then Adam got up. Adam Waddle got up and did. His fucking Jesus joke, and I'm like, I'm done.
1: Yeah. There's no
0: way I'm gonna beat that joke.
1: Yeah, he did good. But he you but really you good. did really
0: good though. It was fun. Yeah, it
1: was fun. I recorded I, I didn't record it. My husband recorded. It. He likes to film I think it was like stuff. one of the first times anyone in Vegas had seen you go up too. Yeah. I, it was when I first got here, I yeah. think. Yeah, and I then because shortly after that we did that show together. We did the wine show together. <laughs> <The> wine show.
0: <laughs> yes. I tried to do a couple of those shows um with uh with the same promoter, but it was um it was just not well run, and so it was just Both kind times, of yeah. yeah, it was just kind of a mess, and it was a good idea, like good intentions and good idea, but you know, I hosted shows in um in l a and um, I had my own show in l a called Friends with Benefits, and you really have to keep to a certain thing, yeah. you know what I mean, or it doesn 't work, and part of it is that you know, I think a lot of what I've experienced out here is when comics are doing well, they don't want to get off the stage. And so they're running the light by yeah. five, 10 minutes. And it's like, you don't realize that, you know, you're killing everybody else. You're well, that's a, that's head. a
1: big problem in our scene. And it's part of the reason why, like a lot of the guys that helped me with my career p- push me to not do as many of these like local bar shows. Mm-hmm. Like I get told that a lot from producers and people that work with me because, they it's not it's really not good practice for the club I mean that's the unfortunate thing in Vegas you can get really strong really fast because it's like boot camp out there I mean it's really hard in the bar scene yeah and that's where I came up you know blood sweat and tears and yeah I wouldn't have done it any other way but when you do that when you run the light and you do all these things then you don't learn how to be funny in, in an encapsulated amount of time I think it's just like a detriment to you I think the comics that do that aren't realizing that all they're doing is they're letting their ego drive the bus, and when you mm-hmm. let your ego drive the bus, I feel like you get away from the fact that you have to be marketable, and like you have to be people have to want to pay money for you, and they're not going to want to pay money for you if you can only be funny in 22 minutes. You have to be able to be funny in seven, and five, and three, and two. I mean, we just did the stand-up NBC thing. We had to do a two-minute set and then a five-minute set. You know, like, and we can't run the light in front of NBC. No, you know? it's so it's
0: so true, and and that's the discipline of understanding what material to put in where and yeah. when and how long. You know, I do that show at the at Hooters, the 10-minute, you get like 10 minutes. Yeah, the hilarious seven. Yeah, and yeah. it's like a countdown clock. So you really do have to, you know, watch that 10 minutes and make sure you get off. But the other thing is I think you you need a really strong host because what happens a lot of times is, you know, a, a comic will get up and, um, and they've... Uh, you know they're they're getting up like right after the host like they're up first or second and the host hasn't done a good job warming up the crowd so then the comic has to really start and warm up and everything so it's like it's not the stage hasn't been set for them to just come up and do their time so then they they're wasting time just trying to get the crowd into it you know and it's like hosting is a really important art and it's, art it's in
1: Vegas it's ten times harder because people in Vegas are so disenfranchised they don't I mean they've they're so inundated with stimul like stimulus <laughs> yeah, you know Exactly. like, by the time they get to us at 8 o'clock at night, like, yeah. I mean, you have to do backflips to get them to, to respond sometimes, I feel like. That's true. That's true. So, how did you start in stand-up? Um, you from Vegas originally? No, I'm from northern Nevada. I'm from a little town called Fallon. It's right outside of Reno. Um, and it was actually in Fallon that I realized I wanted to be a comic. My best friend and I were hanging out. And I was always the girl at parties that people would, like, end up surrounding me in a kitchen and I'd be telling stories. Mm-hmm and uh, it used to happen at my friend's house all the time. We'd all be on the back porch smoking chain smoking cigarettes and drinking, you know, whatever vodka and juice we had and I'd be telling stories and they'd be like tell us another one, you know, and I just tell stories to a, I was basically doing stand up in backyards for years. Wow. And didn't realize it yeah. until one day my best friend like stopped me in the middle of my story and she was like you should do stand up and then it clicked cuz I had loved I had loved stand up my whole life. I could quote um Dane Cook's Harmful of Swallowed from front to back. Wow. Uh, I had that. I bought that when I was like 12. You know, I was a 12 year old that could say a whole, like I loved comedy. All I did was watch comedy. I begged my mom for HBO so I could watch the comedy specials. Like, but I never thought it was something I wanted to do until Mm -hmm. she put it in my head. And I was in like a really bad relationship at the time. And I brought it up to him and he was like, why would you want to do stand up? You're not funny. And I was like, (laughs) oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) And then like we, I kept in this relationship for, like, another year, and then I had, like, that uh, Jennifer Lopez enough moment and, like, shaved my head, and I was like, fuck you, I'm out of here. You know, oh, sorry, can I curse? i <laughs> Of sorry. course. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you're great. No, but I totally did. I left, like, all, I left my birth certificate <laughs> at his house, and he called me, like, a year later and was like, I have your birth certificate. I was like, burn it, fuck you, I hate you. It was so mad. It was the worst breakup. But That's interesting. I, and then I moved here, and the first person I actually met in Las Vegas uh, was an online date with Bobby Wayne Stotts. And wow. he was doing comedy at the time. Yeah. And so he brought me out to all these comedy shows and we hung out for like a week and it just wasn't there. Um, but uh, actually I like to give Bobby shit because he technically dumped me while he was on his way to a date with me <laughs> and he was bringing a new date. <laughs> it's my favorite story to tell. Wait. I love Bobby. Bobby and I are such good friends. Like,
0: Wait, so you were on a date. Were, yeah, he was so picking you up. We had
1: been hanging out for like a week and we had all plans. Right. There used to be the show uh, ran by Angie Crum at the bunkhouse on Fridays. Okay. And we were having, we were planning to hang out there that Friday. And he texts me. I'm at the show setting up with Aunt Janie. He texts me and he goes, I hope you're not at the bunkhouse. And I was like, uh, why? He was like, because I think we should just be friends and I'm bringing a date. Wow. And I was like, um okay but I'm still gonna chill because like these people are my only friends now so yeah whatever and I wasn't really upset about it but uh it's my favorite thing to give him shit about now because I think it's so funny it's like
0: dude could you have not like called me yesterday like one day
1: earlier he was in such the right because I was such a cock tease like I was not even giving him any kind of anything like no no. and for like a whole week and for me that's like a long time (laughs) (laughs) wait
0: to get married (laughs) you have sex in a week that'd be a miracle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love talking to young girls because they're just like oh my god like it's just so hard I haven't hooked up in a month I'm like yeah you're gonna work really hard to meet someone and settle down and get married and you're not gonna have sex for like months at a time
1: well I think what's what's infuriating the you know the cosmic Joke God's final punchline on women is that as we get older we get more sexually stimulated, yes. and as men get older they get less sexually stimulated. Exactly, which is why
0: so many older women <laughs> hook up with young guys. Yeah, because it's like that's sort of like the that's where you meet, right? It's like twenty five and fifty, right? And it's so fucked up. I, I want to look at them and be like, you didn't want me when I was twenty five, right? I couldn't get a twenty five year old guy to be interested. But now, that, me, I'm you know, so now that I'm fifty, and I'm fifty, you want to like text me all night long? It's just exhausting. <laughs> 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 so um okay so so your girlfriend now does she come see you the girl that like yeah that you she started? she
1: actually when I did I uh was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to do crapshoot comedy festival it's like the mm. one of the bigger festivals that's ever come through here it's the only one we've ever had with industry it was headlined by Burt Kreischer and Tignataro oh, nice. and, nice. and Dave Tell and Wow, and it was a really great opportunity. Uh, that the festival itself had mixed reviews afterwards, was from people in the industry and both. But for the comics, I can tell you, anyone who was there who's a comedian, anyone of the comedians who said they didn't have one of the best fucking times of their life that weekend, it's bullshit. Yeah. It was one of the and most. And when was fun. it? Was this last year? This was year before that. Year before. Year before okay. that. And it was downtown, and uh, there was a lot of things that went into it, but it was a really great experience, and it was really fun. But she flew out for that, and she spent the whole weekend oh, so going nice. to shows with me. And
0: she lives in up that same place in yeah fallon?
1: yeah wow. she lives in the same place in fallon and she actually uh we so we we get david tell tickets because we want to go to david tell and all the headliner shows are separately ticketed from the festival right and so we go to hang out we're like gambling downtown because that's where it is and my friend my best friend makes edibles and so she had made me some brownies for the weekend and so i had two in my purse for that night for the, for the david tell show my friend has smoked pot before a million times like we're from a town where you start smoking pot at like 14 and you you don't stop until you die like everybody (laughs) smokes weed where (laughs) we come from and so i hand her the brownie and i'm like this is our like special treat brownie for tonight and i'm i'm chomping away at mine Mm -hmm. like i know how much to eat she eats the whole thing and she turns to me and she's like she like takes a swig to like wash the brownie crumbs out of her mouth and she goes i've never had a pot brownie before and i'm like and you ate the whole thing and she goes "Uh uh-huh and i go no this is gonna be so bad (laughs) and she was like what and i was like this is gonna be the worst night ever she she held her she held her shit for most of the night until we got to the david tell show and we were in the third row and i am a aspiring comedian sitting next to my best friend who is knocked the fuck out asleep Oh. Slumped over in her chair with her mouth open oh, at Dave Attell, oh, <laughs> looking one of my heroes in his face. Oh, like it was the worst. It was the But the show was so good. Like yeah. I don't think. But he picked out. He was picking on the person right in front of her chair, and I was like, Oh my God, please don't see her. Like I was hoping he was in. She was in that like light blind spot, right where she's that one row where it just goes dark. You got lucky. I got lucky. Oh my yeah. God, it was so nerve. It's the worst
0: feeling when you're waiting for it to happen. Yes. Like, my daughter went to go see a star is born and uh we we're, we're like kind, kind of movie snobs. We usually go on a weekday when there's nobody there or whatever. But we thought, oh, we'll go to like the opening night, premiere, whatever. So we go and our seats suck. I mean, they're good, but we're crammed in. Yeah. And this huge guy comes in, sits right next to me. Like He was like, can I lift the armchair? I'm like, great. Now we're like on a first date. We're like so <laughs> fucking close. So my daughter knows I'm miserable. I'm like, I'm miserable. We have to move. We have to move. So we go down to those like lower perfect seats and we're sitting there and we're just waiting because people were walking in like constantly looking for their seats and they were bumping everybody out of that row and they didn't bump us we were just like so i don't even think i saw like the first 10 minutes because we were just sitting there waiting for someone to go <laughs> being
1: so you're terrified. in my seat can
0: yeah. you move this is the worst <laughs> and after like it was like 10 minutes into the movie i'm like no he tries to move i'm like fuck you you're late i'm in your seat fuck yeah you. yeah I'm not moving yeah not happening that's how
1: i feel about it yeah So, um, so she, is she excited? She's, um, she is, she is Uh very excited. She tells me very much, she tells me very much how proud she is with me and, uh, how awesome she thinks it is. And she's seen me quite a bit. I go home and put on a show every year. Usually once a year, I'll go back to my hometown and put on a comedy show there and I'll close it out, but I'll bring a bunch of friends and show like my friends back home, like the comedy that I'm surrounded with. And like last time I brought Gooch with me and john uh no not john campbell garrett hall was with us last time a couple other comics um and then there's a guy that i grew up with that wants to do comedy but he lives up there and he has kids so he can't really leave but uh it's like his one opportunity to do like a show where he can you know kind of show off what he's been doing locally so She's seen me a bunch of times do stand up, and uh, it's really she's a she's like a mom. She's like not like me at all. Like right. she grew up very quickly because when we were graduating, she was having her first kid. Oh wow! So she's she has like two preteen daughters. Like so, we have two very different lives. Like right. so, when she hears my stand up, it's like quite a bit because I am so honest and yeah. I do talk quite a bit about you know. What it's like to be a woman in because I think what we define ourselves by our dating life. Like women, we're taught to define ourselves by our dating life. Mm-hmm, like, true. when do boys like us? Like, do you know? Are we popular? Like, do we have a boyfriend? Do we, do we have a fiance? Do we have a husband? Mm-hmm. Like that. Like we're taught to define ourselves by this. And I think that that's why my filters always through the filter of sex and relationships. Is because that's how I identify with the world. Is yeah. you know, this person is my boyfriend's friend, or mm-hmm. you know, I learned how to do this when I was dating this guy. You know, like that, like chapter. Of my life are honestly like felt feel like they're bookend by boyfriends yeah you know, like.
0: yeah th- i agree with that and i feel the same way like i have th- i'm on my third husband and sometimes i have to be like what husband was that <laughs> which <laughs> I, swear to God. I was just talking to my girlfriend who just stand up and she's like she's like do you have new jokes like do you write i go i write every day like yeah but i don't necessarily like i haven't changed my entire act like i'll filter in stuff and yeah. you know we get excited to do new shit you know what i mean but Um, but some of my marriage jokes were, you know, not written about this husband, but I'm like, well, they're they're about you now. Right. Sorry. It's a great fucking joke and I'm not getting rid of it. You know what I mean? It's like and and weirdly enough, it still applies. Yeah. Well, and the
1: thing is that the audience doesn't know. Like they don't care. They're just there to be entertained. Like I have jokes that are so irrelevant to my life now. But I still like to tell them because they make me laugh. You funny know? It's funny. Like, that's right. what I think. I mean, I get, like, okay, be
0: really authentic. And I am authentic. I don't talk about anything that I don't, like, fully believe. Like, my yeah. girlfriend was, like, she's, she says, oh, I'm in a relationship and I'm still doing jokes about being single. And I'm, like, if you can get away with it. But I know for me, like, it would just read. Like, you know. Yeah. It was funny when uh, I used to have a joke about being in an open relationship. And um, and when I started dating my, my husband... I was I dated a lot of assholes, like a, a whole string of jerks, and so when I met my husband, he was like a real, you know, he is—he's a really nice guy. I've ever met him, sweet guy, and so I did the joke about him, and it was a crowd that, you know, it was a lot of my friends, and there was like an audible, Aw. ah. <laughs> it was
1: like- They thought I was talking about him, and they were like, "Oh, we like him." So strange. Like, people are so sensitive. Like, I, I wish it was the '80s a lot of the time because I'm like, people forgot that there's when you walk through the doors of a comedy show, you're supposed to put all that shit behind you. Yeah you you getting offended is making you not enjoy it. It's not like it's not helping (laughs) the situation. And we need to laugh now more than ever. (laughs) People are getting. I talk a lot of my my set about what it's like to be, you know, I'm like a proud plus size woman. Mm-hmm. And to be a plus size woman, I, I use the word fat. I use that word because I think it's ridiculous yeah. to say anything else. right Not that it's, I, I don't want to shame anyone. I don't want anyone to feel bad about being, not being comfortable with the word fat because I understand it has a lot of connotations. I tell right. this in my joke, you know. Right. We're bullied with that word. I get it. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I feel like it's so patronizing to yourself and to other people to to let people those people are calling you fat behind your back. You might as well accept that that that's a reality of your life, right? Or go lose weight. I don't know, like I don't see the in between where now we're coming up with new words. Like the new words are not like doesn't make it any different. Plus size. It sounds like like a fucking math equation. Exactly. It's like why can't (laughs) I plus size
0: what? Right. Why can't I just (laughs) say fat? Like why can't I just say fat? Because you can say skinny. Right. Skinny's totally fine. And nobody's getting upset. You can be like, oh, you're such a skinny bitch. But if you say, oh, you're such a fat bitch, you're like, whoa. Right. Right. I I mean, it's
1: so weird. It's weird to me. It just has never given me a good taste in my mouth. And I've been doing stand-up for almost a decade. And all of a sudden in this last year, people are tightening up on my material about my, my fat material. And it should be the opposite. And way. I have to like tell the audience, like, I yeah. wrote the joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, what?
0: Like, why are you? I didn't walk in and they gave me an index card <laughs> of like, listen, we just weighed you in. You can only do this material right here right. based this, on your size this being
1: offended on behalf of other people is so fucking patronizing and people don't see it. Well, you know, I, I'm really on
0: this tip right now because, you know, I've I've been struggling with an eating disorder since I was little and my weight has kind of gone up and down, up and down. And now I'm like really, I'm, I'm dealing with it. I'm, I have a therapist and I'm Really, in treatment for my eating disorder. That's wonderful. And the first thing that I had to do was just accept my body where it is. And my whole life was like, I was never good enough. You know what I mean? I was, I was at one point, you know. 30 pounds less than I was. And I was like, just five more pounds. Cause it's an obsession yeah. and it's fed by the media and it's fed by, you know, I was talking to, um, uh, I don't even remember who, but I was saying that, you know, on television, they say, you know, we need more ethnicity. We also need more average size women. Yeah. More
1: representation. Yeah. More representation. And it's not just like, because we're, we're showing like extremely obese women, like we're showing them acceptance, right. but we're also not showing like the in between bodies acceptance. That's what like I always say. I'm medium fat. You know, where's my group? Yeah. Like they're so it's, <laughs> such a bigger spectrum than that yeah. and I and I actually um, I always make the joke that I'm the most successful bulimia recovery story ever because I, I was bulimic for yeah. several years and wow. the only time I've ever been skinny in my life is when I was really good at being at, at having my eating disorder yeah. when I was really good at my eating disorder yeah. is the only time I've ever been thin
0: which but goes see, to tell
1: me my body is not it's not meant to be there no. and isn't it weird that people will
0: celebrate that thinness no matter how you get there oh and, and people, people did, I
1: had that too people didn't know but yeah. I feel like There's no way you didn't know, especially as a bulimic. I mean, yeah, I was pretty aggressive, and yeah, and so you vomited. Yeah, I was was a purger. Yeah, Yeah. so I mean, and there was always laxatives around. Like I, I was always taking pills. Like, so did you
0: grow up in that environment? Was no, no. no,
1: I'm I'm from like a Native American German family, so everyone's big and proud and eats a lot, and it's just part of the you Know the status quo, but I was a really awkward kid and mm. uh, I really struggled with self esteem for many, 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 many years. And I was quite an ugly duckling case. Um, it was literally like she's all that. Like, I plucked my eyebrows and wore a tighter fitting shirt, and all of a sudden people paid attention to me. Like, yeah. it was literally like over a summer. Like, yeah, you know, I went from wearing baggy sweatshirts to and and when I started to get objectified and when I started to get attention is when uh my self-esteem took the biggest nosedive actually weirdly is it's when you Mm. really start to like become critical of yourself and that's when the eating disorder started you know yeah i went through for a year i wouldn't eat anything that didn't fit in a coffee cup
0: wow i mean
1: that's insane to me when i think about that i know i know i live like that too it was like my husband uh used to carry
0: my food for me in like a cooler because i was so terrified to eat anything where we went like we went to a football game and he carried in a cooler of like my green beans my you know everything
1: measured and weighed because you didn't know how much Calories are in it. You didn't know. I was terrified. You know? yeah. I was
0: terrified of all of it. You know, and um, and that's interesting because you know uh what you were saying, like growing up in like this proud family. Yeah. you know, proud of size and everything. See, I didn't grow up in that because I grew up in both. My parents were in the entertainment business, and terrified of gaining weight. Like that was mm. the worst thing you could do. But I do remember. When I stopped eating and I got thin and it was like – because I was like – at one point I was 233 pounds, so I was a lot larger. And when I lost weight – it's a funny story. I used to take a bus from New Jersey to New York, and sometimes I would take it with my kids. We'd go into the city or whatever. And, I mean, no one ever gave me their seat. No one ever. I could be carrying a baby and holding my other son's hands. No one gave up their seat. I got thin, and all of a sudden it was like men were falling over themselves to give. And it was so weird. It was like, part of me was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. And then another part of me was like, you know what? Fuck you. It just makes you angry. It makes you angry. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, we're so programmed, though, from such a young age that like thin is the goal for everybody. I would
1: never look somebody in the face and tell them that when I was in the throes of my eating disorder, the attention I got didn't feel good. I yeah, will never great. lie about it. No, it feels great. I mean, that's that doesn't help my recovery any either. You know, I am fully. Re- f- I would say I'm fully recovered. I haven't had a relapse um, since I've been with my boyfriend. So over five years, I haven't relapsed. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Yeah. And especially for, you know, but I'm still binging. You know, that's the problem for, you know, bulimics is that we we do really good with the non-purging, but then we do the binging and then our eating disorder goes the other way. Yeah. Uh, Where I'm at now, you know, I'm a full-on food addict, you know, Mm -hmm. been to therapy, been diagnosed. I talk about it in my set. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's to, it like the thing that I've learned, though, the reason I do have pride in my body is that we are programmed to validate ourselves off of the way that men uh, or women, you know, yeah. validate our looks. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's really what. But here's the thing is that I realize that I've never gotten more or less validation no matter what weight I've been. Like mm. I, I've always kind of gotten the same amount of validation. Yeah. And when I was thinner, different guys would pay attention to me. But it was never the guy that I like. Really, I didn't really care. Like, I didn't really care about the guy that wouldn't pay attention to me if I was not thin. And when I did date that guy, it was the worst relationship ever. You know, (laughs) it was terrible. So, what are are we even striving for? Right? Like, why? Why am I trying to please somebody who? is never even gonna be a benefit to me. You yeah. know? Like if I'm gonna eat a salad instead of a steak this meal, I'm gonna do it because it's beneficial to my body and I love myself now. Mm-hmm. Or I'm gonna have the fucking burger because I yeah. wanna have a fucking burger. Yeah. <laughs> like, and
0: that's and that's really where I'm at. Like I have to like normalize food because food has become so like I, I'm at the stage right now where I can't really, I mean, I won't say I don't ever have a salad, but I did so much force feeding myself vegetables and chicken. Like I can't look at chicken and broccoli, like those two, that, that food. I yeah. can't, Cause it was just it makes such you a nauseous. diet food. Yeah. yeah. So I have to just like make everything normal again, because, you know, and thank God I'm with a guy who, I mean, my husband loves me. Doesn't, no matter what, He's never mentioned my weight gain. He's just like, "You're beautiful." I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, "Yeah, but these used to be my jeans, and now these are yeah. my jeans." He's like, I, "I think you were too thin that way." So yeah. you know, he doesn't care because he loves you. Yeah, he loves me, and that's it. And and it's it's so much work as a woman to validate that I'm worthwhile. No matter what size pants I'm in.
1: Oh, and you know what the most depressing thing is? And I'm going to sound like such a nihilist. I'm a total nihilist in that I don't think anything matters. I think that people take everything way too seriously. Mm -hmm. And as women, we are trapped in a never... And I hate to sound like such a huge feminist. But we we were talking about this in the green room the other night. My friend me and this other female comic were educating him on what female comics go through. Like he knew mm-hmm. it was bad, but we just started trading stories. We just started, Oh, and this one time this happened. And this one time this guy did this. And this one time this booker did this. And this one time this producer did this. And this one time this guy did this. And, this this did this. and he was just sitting across from us and he was like, I can't believe that's what you guys go through. And yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, we strive our entire lives to be desirable. And that desirability is our biggest anchor in life. It's the th- yeah. whole thing that holds us back the most. Yeah. People, people yeah. respect me more. I, I've gained probably 40, 40 or 50 pounds in the past since I started doing comedy. And, uh, you know, between the road and, and boozing and all mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's, it, it's bound to happen. <laughs> but yeah. The, you know, enough truck stop food. It'll yeah. get to you. But it, it, the, um, the way that people treat me now versus even when I was just a little bit thinner, a little bit more universally desirable, I would say. Is kind of crazy. Like, I get a lot more respect now because I, yeah. I, I mean, I cut my hair off and people people treated me differently. You know, like, the less feminine I make myself, yeah, the more that people respect me. It's so crazy how that happens. I feel that, too, because I've gained, like, 30 pounds. And I
0: feel like, I don't know, I even feel like my sets are better. You know? I mean, when I kind of was thinner or whatever i i don't know it was like i felt maybe it was just me maybe it was in my own head but i felt like okay i gotta let the girls know i'm with you guys i got the guys know i'm not here to try to fuck you You yeah it was like a lot of work just to get normal and now i walk on stage and i feel like i mean it was crazy i had a girl heckle me and she heckled me with saying i love you and i was like i've never been love heckled before yeah it was just
1: like (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but it was like, oh, I've been doing this material, but it's like now I think it's almost like people can exhale
1: and go, well, oh yeah. I think you're she's... right. It's probably us because I think when we're thinner, we probably are thinking about it more because we I don't, are. I don't think to us people who have eating disorders, I don't think you ever get to be normal. I don't think that no. happens because food is your relationship with food is a constant battle. Yeah, and it's not normal. And whereas people say, oh, it's just, just eat less or just do, le-. it's not like that for people with eating disorders. No. Like for me as a bulimic, just eating less is like. Like the big, it is. Uh, somebody with bulimia will fast for two days if you let them sit down and eat as much as they want for one meal. Like yeah. that's the way our thought, our thoughts run. Yeah. So it's this constant battle every day to try and be normal with something that you're never going to be normal with. No. But when you can release some of the control, the control is the real issue, right? Because yeah. we want to control it whether we're doing really good and eating really well, even if we're eating like healthy stuff, we're controlling it way too much, you yeah. know. Like we're we're not even enjoying ourselves on date night. We're having a salad with no dressing and like no cheese and no can, can you take the egg out and it's just like lettuce and tomato, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we're like <laughs> dipping it with our dipping our fork prongs in. in yeah. and, you know, oh my like
0: God. Yes, I've lived through that. So it's just like
1: it's just like to we don't ever have a normal relationship with food. And and Mm -hmm. I I think that as I've gotten heavier, the reason that my sets have gotten better is because I have more of a fuck it attitude. Yeah. But you're probably because your brain is nourished though too. You know what I mean? There's
0: something about nourishing yourself that that you know, when you're in that I think I was a bulimic in the sense of where I didn't purge, but I would binge and then fast and then binge and that's, then juice yeah, fast it's the same thing mm-hmm. it was like and especially as an actress it was like cuz i was in la acting and you know and a lot of the roles that i went out on were based on the way that i looked yep so i wouldn't get the job or i would fuck up an audition i would go home and like binge my brains out
1: and then it's like i can't gain any weight you yeah. know what i mean i can't have that actually Well, people sit don't with understand me. how nerve-wracking getting a cash sheet is when you get a role to go out for and your agent or whoever you're working with, most of us at our level are working with casting companies, but the casting company, one of the reps is like, we think you'd be good for this role. And the role description is like, you know, like a pudgy, undesirable <laughs> soccer mom. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's, oh, okay. Thank <laughs> oh, you. Oh, that's how the world that's, sees me. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know. mean, it's just... like, it's such like a slap. like it is the most reality check of all reality checks. And it, yeah. it is not the same for men. And no. any man in entertainment will tell you that it is not the same for men.
0: Well, they just don't have that like you know even if they
1: gained weight you
0: know what i mean it's
1: like there's still a role
0: for them and i'm not going to leave the house if i if i've gained weight no. i'm not going it's like i'm a no. 5 pounds i'm like i can't do anything it's guys don't even think like that. No. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> no. That doesn't even cross their mind, you know? And just even, like, my husband is so funny. Like, we'll talk about things. He'll be like, well, you know, how many calories could that be? I'm like, it's 217 calories. He's like, "No, nah, that can't be right. I go Google it. He's like, how do you know that? I go, if there was a game show
1: for calories, I would win. I know the calories of everything. I mean, it's, I, I'm the same way. Right? I'm, I'm not, like, to the 17. Like, I, I can <laughs> tell you within 10. I can yeah. tell you within 10, but... There's that Netflix movie to the bone. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. If for anyone with an eating disorder, I do. It was. Is that Rose Gowan? Uh, no, it was uh, Lily Collins, oh, and Lily Collins, she plays yeah. a young lady with anorexia and. If you're in a bad place, I definitely don't recommend it if you had an eating disorder. I was in a good place when I watched it, so it, it gave me good feelings. You know, I think I did see some of it. It was very, she does that, where her sister's like, okay, ready, before they sit down. And there's a scene where they're sitting down, and she tells her the calories of everything on the plate. Or points. Can I used to be able to do it. I with could do points. Weight Watchers points. Yes, <laughs> girl. I could do Weight Watchers points. One time my, my girlfriend, uh, she's getting married next year. She, she can tell you. I came over to her house, and I had lost a bunch of weight. And she uh, had gained some in the relationship who she was in previously. And I went through her house and I labeled everything with a sharpie how many Weight Watchers points it was. I, <laughs> so I could she do, could it. do a Weight Watchers. Do it. You don't even need. No, you don't need to go. No. Yeah. <laughs> you just need me. Just yeah. hire me. Give me ten dollars
0: a month. And it's <laughs> and it doesn't. Here's the thing that's blowing my mind lately. And this is my. my and what's th-
1: crazy? No two dudes would sit down and have these two stories. No. We have you and I could trade stories all night long <laughs> of the, the crazy shit we right? did to try and look better. Yeah. And and
0: what I was gonna. say, Is that the therapist that I'm working with now? What's so interesting is like there's so much research that dieting is not effective for weight loss. Yes, it's not effective, it's actually the opposite. There's a doctor, I think his name is Robert, something he actually used dieting for his patients that he had that couldn't gain weight, they were having a hard time gaining weight, so he put them on a diet. And they lost weight. And then when they went off the diet, they gained the weight they lost plus more. He did that four or five times and was able to put. Now, the one thing he said to them is like, listen, I don't know how to stop it. Once you start gaining weight, right. I don't know how to stop it. And they're like, oh, that's not going to be a problem because they really couldn't gain weight. And, and you know, it's just like it's it's, it's effective the I opposite mean, the way. Yo-yo
1: dieting. We're taught it with, yeah. from very young as girls, you know, we and we teach each other. We are we are our our worst enemy. It isn't. Oh, yeah. I learned to be bulimic in locker rooms, at slumber parties, you know. Yeah. Watching my friends, like that's where you learn it from, and, yeah. and then your friends like, well, my mom's on Weight Watchers, and that mom bought Weight Watchers for her kid, and so your mom buys you Weight Watchers, and nobody thinks they're doing these girls any harm, and you think you see how? I mean, you see your teenage daughter crying every day because she gets yeah. bullied because she's fat, and she asks for Weight Watchers, you're gonna buy her fucking Weight Watchers, whatever they want, you yeah, know what I mean? But know? the thing is, is that women's bodies,
0: our bodies, just normally go up and down in size for a reason, and when my my mom put me on a diet when I was like eight, because I was in commercials and I was really like slim cute kid and I started putting on weight and they panicked which honestly if they would have let me get fat I would have had a fucking great commercial career yep like the fat kid (laughs) in commercials is way better than the skinny Italian kid in commercials but um but I was always hungry I was just and I was growing that's what it was i was always hungry so my mom used to compare me to that uh, there was a cartoon a disney cartoon of the cats. and there was one little cat that was always like mama i'm hungry and it was me because i was always hungry i remember doing a ragu commercial and they put the spaghetti in front of us and they didn't give us any direction and i started eating it <laughs> they were like, we are not rolling yet and i'm like okay so it was so me, what? right yeah <laughs> bring more i'm getting I know, into like, character yeah. <laughs> I'm starving. They don't feed me at home. (laughs) Oh, my God. But I was just always hungry, and I think it was just a normal thing that I probably would have went through and come out the other side. But because there was so much shame attached to it, which the research shows that, like, shame and eating disorder, like, it's deadly, you know? And we feel so much shame, and there's no reason— for it except that I mean it's just the eating cultural. disorder
1: is the same as a drug addiction is the same yeah. as cutting I mean you're going you, uh, people don't understand that the eating disorder does not become about your weight loss at some point it becomes right. about it becomes about like <clears throat> beating addiction. beating yourself at your own game you know yeah. i could make it 3 days without eating last time let's see if i can make it 4 you know right. oh i made it 4 days maybe i can make it 5 guys you know? are like
0: bitches are crazy i'm like we're starving <laughs> yeah we're you so ever seen, hungry you ever seen a guy <laughs> if he's like he's missed a meal Yes. they're crazy we We live like that. Yes, (laughs) that's just a normal day for us. Wake up, try not to eat, drink a bunch of coffee. You know what I mean. I
1: can sense in the air when my boyfriend is hungry and hasn't eaten, and it's been. I can just, I can feel it in like the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah, and I'm like, are you are you cranky? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) Do you need to eat? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. welcome to my life. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> and that's and that's part of it. I think too is like hormones and all that yeah. stuff. People go, oh, it's hormonal and your PMS, and it's like and a lot of it is just we don't listen. Like making that connection between what our bodies want and giving our bodies what we want is
1: like it's just such right. a, a mixed. Well, and and up we message. are never ever taught that we are no. we aren't taught to nourish our bodies. We're taught to give our bodies just enough to yeah. survive. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I couldn't tell you when I learned that 1200 was the perfect amount. Of calories, but I know it is, but I know it is,
0: <laughs> that's and it's been in my brain long enough as
1: a girl that I don't yeah. know when I learned it.
0: And you know how hard it is to live on 1200 calories, like, even if you did it one, two, three days by the fourth day, like, that's why diets don't work. Because, like, I remember when I did Jenny Craig, and Early, early on, it was very successful for me. I would eat the food, da, da, da. Yeah. And then it was like, I couldn't make it the whole seven days. No. It was like by day. And it would get shorter and shorter. And then be like, on day three, I've eaten all the
1: desserts. Right. <laughs> it's for like, the just, whole week. It's like, just try and eat better and exercise and accept your body for what it is. Because someone will fuck you. And yeah. I say that on stage every single night. Because right. it is true. It yeah. is 100% true. And so you get
0: married and then you won't care. And then you don't <laughs> want to get fucked up. <laughs> you just want to watch Netflix in peace.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like we just watch TV and be fine
0: yeah and i and i think part of the binging thing like that's what i was deathly afraid of that's why i couldn't let go of the restriction and they were letting me know like the binging is every time you restrict you're leading up to a binge you know yeah so if you get rid of the restriction and then the binging it's just about allowing yourself the food accepting it and then i think i'm finding already that i've been doing this that i'm not as driven you know what i mean to eat like constantly nonstop. it's kind of it's it's loosening up a little bit my you know?
1: psychologist used the science of it behind me like just showing me the studies that showed that that purging actually you still retain 75 percent of the calories you know he just showed me the math of like what you're well, doing I know a
0: lot of bulimics that are overweight so yeah. it's always in, that that was what it's i think prevented common. me it's I'm very like, i'm not gonna throw
1: up and not lose weight yeah like if i'm
0: if i'm throwing up then we definitely need to be and skinny. a lot of
1: overweight bulimics don't know that they're bulimic because they don't think that you can be Overweight and blame it. Yes, exactly. But it's still just as damaging to your heart and your, you know, I wasn't by any means I was my th- at my thinnest I was like 100 and I'm 5'10 and I was like 170 yeah, pounds and it was all in my ass and my tits you know yeah. so I couldn't complain you know right went to the place you wanted it to right go too, but right. I was also very unhealthy and I had a girl a girl in my high school died from heart, heart complications due Jeez. to bulimia and that was like this big that scare for me wake up call. Yeah. that I would rather be fat yeah than dead yeah. you know just to be honest like that was I lost we lost a lot of people we lost a lot of people in my age range we lost from cancer and from some suicides and from some acne accidents in a short period of time so i was faced with my morality like very quickly after you know uh graduation you know only a few years after and i was about 21 or and when we lost um another friend to an accident that was like the time when i was like in the throes of really partying hard doing all the wrong shit and the bulimia was still you know roaring in there Mm. all the time and i was now secret eating which was you know sneaking off to a fast food place and ordering a bunch of food and eating it in the Parking lot and then driving to a dumpster and throwing it away. I mean, just like a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you, oh, yeah. Because you think like in that way, you're like, well, a dumpster can't be anywhere near the house because. And it's the shame. Like, you just can't let anybody know
0: you're doing it. Like, my thing, my favorite binge food was birthday cake. It was always birthday cake. So I would go and get a birthday cake. I mean, how sad. You know what I mean? They'd be like, do you want us to write a name on it? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Yeah. You right, know what I, I mean? hate myself. I'm gonna eat, can you write right? that on the cake? <laughs> Wish I was dead. Can you in script. Yeah, with flowers would be great. Go eat it in the parking lot and then throw it away. I was like super excited when they started selling birthday cake slices. By the slices, I'm like, yeah. All right, there's other women out there doing this, not just me. They're like, you know what?
1: We'll cut up a cake this and put it you. out. Right? Yeah. You guys can stop sadly walking away with an empty birthday cake. <laughs> yeah,
0: with the box. Do you need candles? Do I? No. So bad. Um, so. So, so you got into recovery and then yeah. did you get
1: support for, for that or did you just kind of like do it on your own? I was working full time at the time so I had really good insurance and I paid for everything out of pocket and I went through a very short course of immersion therapy because they related my bulimia to ocd Mm -hmm. somehow in my anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. so everything was kind of intertwined okay and i had started doing like rituals like i was going down like full on like intervention oprah own network special like (laughs) mental illness path like i had full on bulimia my ocd was in the like i would have to re-shower if i showered in the wrong order i had to do everything in the right order if i if i got out of order i would get out blow dry my hair dry off and get back in the shower wow because i was afraid that it would give me bad luck like it was all around luck for me yeah it's so all very the, superstitious very superstitious yeah. but to, to the point where i was doing rituals and things that were becoming unhealthy and not a way to live and i was in a very toxic relationship at the time and that triggers a lot of it that. triggered a lot of it yeah. i was in a very bad place but on the outside of recovery it was like right before i moved um not down to vegas but i moved out to new jersey for a short period of time yeah we we have a jersey thing in common and my mom was out there and and being in jersey like that was even more damaging because people on the east coast are are very unkind when it comes to your looks like people are very judgmental out there Mm -hmm. like people think that the west coast is where we're the most judgmental we're more beautiful and we're more vain out here Mm -hmm. but on the east coast is where people are more judgmental Mm -hmm. they like they're more if you're fat they like don't it's not a thing like it, women who are overweight do not get hit on in bars on the East Coast. Wow, it doesn't happen. I get hit on all like all the time. Yeah, in my normal life here, of course you're gorgeous. Here. <laughs> but in, on the yeah. East Coast.
0: Well, you know what I think it is? They're probably intimidated because you're a strong woman. Well, and
1: that's the other thing is like, they're just not the outspoken women and like all those. It's just not, mm. everyone's looking for a good, you know, Jewish wife. Like yeah. that's what yeah. they want. Like somebody to save them from their mother's basement. Subservient. Yeah. yeah. Much more. Yeah. And and I lived in a very like hoity toity right outside of Franklin links in, in Jersey. Oh, okay. So everyone was super superficial. Area. Yeah. My brother lives up there yeah it was a very bad time for me so like self-esteem wise it Mm -hmm. wasn't a great time for me so I just went through a lot of years of that and then I found stand-up and and when I I was doing a lot of jokes that you know I was talking about my sex life like I do now and I was doing you know a lot of like when you first start doing open mics you're like what's the craziest thing I can say you know so I was doing a lot of that stuff and then one night I got on stage and I was just really depressed and I started talking about what it's like being overweight and people were laughing and it felt different for the first time. It didn't feel like when people would laugh at me, like I was like, oh, I'm telling them what it's like. And they're, they're laughing because they get it. Like they're laughing because they understand that, you know, it's a struggle and it's different, you know, and that kind of changed my life. And I can 100% say I feel different now. Yeah. I feel different now something just shifted something just yeah something just shifted. i don't know what maybe
0: you owned it you owned it you know and that and that's kind of what i felt too you know i spent so many years hiding and then i started talking about it in my stand-up and it just got better like i got up and it wasn't even for a reaction it was for like i need to
1: talk about this I mean, you suffer in silence forever i mean you spend your entire life looking at your body every single day and telling yourself what's wrong with it yes every day yeah like that's crazy and you know what
0: it's not really that fulfilling like Like you think it's going to be anyway when you like reach whatever goal that is. Like I kind of did it. Like I left Jersey, I lost a bunch of weight, I moved to L.A., and at one point I was sleeping with pretty much one of the hottest guys you could sleep with. He was a Calvin Klein underwear model. Like the whole like I had reached that level, and I was. Bored out of my mind. Yeah. Like, it was just boring. It's still it's you know still I mean? like a hollow
1: emptiness on the it inside was. because you never dealt with what was bothering you in the first place. No,
0: it wasn't. I didn't feel authentic. I felt like I was yeah. kind of living someone else's life, you know? And the thing is about, like, thin, beautiful people, like, when I lived in Jersey, like, I watched them on TV and then I moved to L.A. and I met them all because <laughs> yeah. it was like everybody in L.A. Well, is and the, like, And the wow. thing about
1: those thin, beautiful people, they don't always look as pretty in person.
0: No. And, and there's also, like, it's also, like, what you
1: do to get there yeah. you know what I it's mean it's just not I mean it's I know a lot of people that live off coke and cigarettes and entertainment sure. I can tell you that sure I can tell you that for sure, sure. yeah <laughs> you know and
0: and and I want to be healthy. Like ultimately, that's I just really what be I want to be happy, do. man. And yeah. I just feel
1: like there. You know, we've it's happened. It's been proven a million times that you don't have to be traditionally beautiful to be successful in entertainment,
0: and you don't have to be thin to be healthy. there's no. a, that book called Health at Every
1: Size now. And you, you don't know have mean? to be thin to be in 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 Hollywood. Like no. it, it's been proven time and time again. You just have to be willing to do the work. I, I mean, I'm never yeah. going to let it be an excuse. I'm I'm only going to. It's just a fact of who I am now, and I just I accept it. There's days I'm a normal woman. There's days when i feel bad about myself and there's days when i feel like that's i look like, like jennifer lopez that's, you know yeah that's anybody
0: <laughs> do you have aspirations to act is that something you're interested in too so
1: i did traveling musical theater for uh so nine years yeah oh, okay. so I, I um love it i love stage and i love musical theater and i would love to do screen acting i don't think i'd be very good at it i'd probably be very bad at it. Why? i need to take some acting class well because i've been acting on stage my whole life and stage yeah. acting and screen acting are are you know true a lot different
0: (laughs) true but i think that you have you definitely have the talent there's some experience you know Mm. at
1: least there and and i'm looking into auditioning for things um my my aspiration like if i could pluck my dream out of a hat and do it it would wouldn't necessarily be to be in movies but if i was going to be in movies i'd want to be like in like an adam sandler or seth rogan and like pave my own path do my own thing kind of thing like fuck everybody i don't care like this is what i want to make so i'm writing some screenplays right now trying to just figure out you know if that's like trying to figure out what path it is that I do want to go down because I know I mean I'm already a traveling stand-up but Mm -hmm. I assume every year if I keep at this pace that I'm only gonna have more and more gigs so you know I have that and eventually I'll get to the place where I can travel and that can be my full income but
0: and how's your boy what does your boyfriend do he he works for the TSA
1: okay yeah and he's supportive he's super supportive he's really supportive
0: and where'd you guys meet
1: online Okay. yeah we met on okay Cupid, <laughs> oh yeah, that's so five cute. years ago, uh this month, actually, it'll be five years, and you went on a date and just kind of knew, <laughs> not even it wasn't mm-hmm. like that. it was more just like he was I was perpetually single, I didn't want to be in a relationship um i said this the other day and i realized i sounded like a feminazi but it's 100 true like the worst times in my life have been when i've been in relationships yeah and th- that's true for most women is mm. the worst times in our life yeah is when we've attached ourselves to a man and whether it be of our own fault because we've enwrapped our identity in them or some other reason but i just was to the point where i was like i don't want to do it anymore and i'd found comedy and i was nothing was going to get in the way of me doing stand-up yeah it was the first time i went on stage it I don't remember it. I blacked out, but the feeling like I can never, it's the best ever go back. Yeah. So this, I knew it was the thing I was going to do. And I knew that a relationship was only going to hold me back. Mm-hmm. And so I was really just single and enjoying myself. And, I only expected to hook up, you know, I didn't expect anything more, but we just kind of kept hanging out. Like it was like we hung out one night and then we hung out the next night and then we hung out the next night and then we hung out the next night and then then he invited me to go to a concert. And then like, you know, pretty soon, like it it was just different than any guy I'd ever dated. Like he actually courted me, you know, like sent flowers to my work and, you know, invited me places and, you know, did thoughtful things. And he's just very different. He's very different, you know.
0: And five years, that's a good solid time. Yeah, we've been together a long time. Yeah, Yeah. so you feel like, okay. Yeah,
1: I think this is the one for sure. We talked about marriage and everything and like, you know, pending a a huge personality change, I don't see either of us going anywhere in our lifetimes.
0: It's good to have that time too before you get married to really kind of know you know what you know how you guys do everything together travel together and go through crisis together and everything you know well and i
1: have patience with him because he 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 has a hard time knowing because he knows in his heart of hearts that comedy is always going to be you know it's just going to be there you know it's like he's your love yeah you know it's like he's my mistress you (laughs) know like he has and he knows that yeah and, and i have a lot of um sympathy for that i have a lot it of takes sympathy. A special guy to be able to do that yeah I think and not my, be threatened by my ambition right and also know? too it's
0: you know it's hard to you know you go off and you travel and all that stuff too and yeah. for him to be able to
1: to roll with that talking to strangers like... about their dicks in oklahoma yeah. <laughs> you know like it's a, it's not it a... Is a weird life right <laughs> yeah. it is a weird life i know it's hard
0: <laughs> i think it's hard you know for my kids and then for my you know my husband it's funny it's like My husband's, you know, obviously, he he loves it, and he supports it, and he's behind it and everything, but uh, it is funny, because some of his friends from work came to see me, and you know, and I just, I riff on him for the first, you know, five minutes of the set, you know, and his friends are like, wow, your wife, really, like... (laughs) And I was like you should probably warn them, you know, like hey, my wife says a lot of shit about me, but it's we're cool or yeah. whatever. But my kids are cute. Like every once in a while my my son will call me I'll be like, "Are you going to a bar? Where is it? Downtown?" No, I don't think you need to do that. You're further <laughs> along in your career, Ma. This is like you don't need to There are going to be guys there who's don't going be doing with bar you. Shows. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> "I need to go to a bar. Open mic." No, we're past this. No. But it's funny cuz my middle son actually he um he's really helped me a lot with my stand up cuz he's he's 30 but he's like He's in music, so he's still like 25, you know. And he's really helped me, like, because I was, like, talking about age a lot or being older. Or being, he's like, fuck, scrap all that. He's like, talk about stuff that's that has to do with you. He's yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. No one's up there trying to calculate how old you are or whatever. Just talk about the shit you want to talk about. And so I'll run stuff by him, and he'll tell me, he'll be like, no, nope, hack, get rid of it. No, nope, that's good. Keep that. Work on that, you know? Yeah. So he's like my little comedy buddy. I you love know? that. Which is great, because it helps me keep a... I've always had a really young perspective, anyway, you know. But it helps me kind of hone in on, yeah. you know, what what'll read with
1: well in all crowds as comics. We can I get into this conversation a lot because I'm I'm classified as a dirty comic, and I will die on the bastion this will be the soapbox i die on if i was a man nobody would say i was a dirty comedian mm-hmm. so right just i just want to put that out if you there. were a basic white guy even if i was a basic ass <laughs> white guy you could talk with about a butt up on my dick and right. my balls and my taint and all nobody would ever say i was a dirty comic right because i'm a female yeah i'm a dirty comic and I have a lot of not material that's not about sex but people just tend to classify me like that and that's mm-hmm. fine because I am kind of a loose cannon. I'm going to say what I think is the funniest thing and I don't care whether it's clean, dirty, whatever. I don't right. think comedy should be split up like that. Yeah. But because of that, like I think a lot about the implications of being a female comic doing these jokes and like what it what it represents and like what like how am I presenting myself, you know? Yeah. Like and I bounce these ideas off people, but then I think about, you know, we we put, we box ourselves in. We have this conversation a lot where it's like, you know, I should try and clean it up because I want to work here or I want to work there or I need to work on a clean 40. But it's like, why don't you just work on the jokes that are coming to you because those yeah. are the ones that are going to be the best.
0: And Yeah, and you can't force it. I yeah. agree with that. You know, it was like early on in my career, someone was like, well, you know, you could get on TV if you could. I'm like,
1: yeah, but I just don't write right that way anyone can do clean five i don't i don't anyone can do a clean five like if nobody in entertainment i can tell you that if you're in entertainment and you're deep and i've actually now had meetings with these people and talked to them They don't care. Like, they don't care if you curse. They don't care if you're saying something dirty because they know they can tell you, don't do that joke.
0: Right. Do a different one. Do something else. And, and, you know, you kind of, what people don't realize too is like when you're on stage, you have to feel out that crowd and see where it's going. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't go, I'm going to do a clean set because that's what my agent said I should do. It's like, no, I'm here to, my goal is to make you laugh.
1: Yeah. I want to make you laugh and have a good time. And there's been plenty of times, and I would not recommend this for open micros because I do think you should be professional and do whatever the booker asks. Yeah. But there's been times when bookers have told me, like, totally g-rated they don't want anything crazy and and i've gone up there and i've done the clean stuff and i've done the clean stuff and i've straight up just said to the audience like they told me to keep this shit g-rated <laughs> and i need to know if that's yeah. what you guys actually what want guys and they're want. like
0: boo boo well, it's like what adult gets dressed up and goes out and has beers and it thinks, wants to hear i want yeah. you have any finding nemo material like <laughs>
1: yeah it's <just> like <laughs> you want to talk about the little mermaid for we're an we're like hour? fucking
0: grown-ups right. you want to hear about my lost sock right. where's the other song you want to hear about you know
1: how the frames at target are yeah like, and i think the People that are successful
0: and that aren't successful because they're clean. I think they're successful because that's what they do. That's right. how they write. That's what that's, they do, and that's what I they, they think, were going to
1: do anyways. They didn't
0: go into it thinking I need a clean set. I just
1: want to accept myself as the comic that I am, and I am now. You know, I'm like this is the comic that I am. This is the product that I present. People yeah. seem to like it, so yeah. And you
0: got to do you. Yeah. You know, and and it's funny. I had early on in my career it was the same thing. They were like, "Oh my god, she's so dirty," and it's like and I was not.
1: Well, they told me the first two years, like, "You're never going to work. You're never going to work." I, I I haven't had any issue. Yeah. I haven't had it's not any a issue. Problem. No. Yeah, I think you have to do what what rings true for you. I mean, you I had I, mean? I had a comic here tell me one time I was doing a show. I'm gonna be very vague because I don't want people to be able to guess who it is, but I was doing right. a show and uh he found out that I opened for another headliner that he knew. And mm-hmm. he like this, this is the shit that male comics say to female comics. They don't say to male comics. He goes, I'm really surprised he lets you open he books you to open for him. And I was like, why and he goes because he goes well you know just because you're dirty and i and i don't think he would want to follow that i'm like why wouldn't he want to follow that and he was like well you know just like some comics don't like going after all the f words and stuff and i'm like I don't say... First of all, I don't say the F word that much. Yeah. If I say anything a lot, it's probably pussy. I probably say pussy way more than I say fuck. Yeah. First of all. But second of all, it's like, what? what is this conversation for? Well... You're only doing this... You're only having this conversation to flex on me and yeah. let, let me know that that, that yeah. I should be luck so lucky that if I was... Like, what are you trying to say? Like... Yeah. Well, you want me... Like, you... You're either implying that I did something else to get booked by him, or you're just saying that shit to let me know that you think that I shouldn't be booked.
0: Oh, my God. That if I, we could fill a book yeah. with the stupid shit that, I, you know. That male comics had... say to us? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And, like, right before you're about to go up, you're yeah. like, what the fuck was that? And then you're, like, doing your material, and it's, like, ruminating in your head. Like, what the fuck did he mean by that? Yeah. You know? I can't remember what it was, but right before I did a show out here, somebody said something to me, and it was just, like, i don't know it was very it was it was kind of underhanded it was like oh you're pretty good you might do well out here if you don't but it was one of those it was like oh super passive aggressive you're kind of an asshole and also,
1: who are you to tell me like, yeah and
0: it's like you know what dude i don't want your career so yeah. it's like don't you know i'm not taking advice from you because oh you think i might do well out here yeah oh thank you so much i'm right. like i don't want to do what you do you know you can do what you do and that's your own thing but it's yeah, so fucking patronizing it is patronizing and it's and you're right it's it's like even on even on um, comedy lineups now. You know they talk about being like you know, like ha- adding more ethnicity to the lineup, and I think that's great. But you know what? I'm sorry. African-American men are not the minority in comedy. Women are. Yeah. So that's what we need to add more of. Yeah. When you see a show and there's like one woman on it, it's like there's more female comics than that. And that whole thing of like women aren't funny. You know who started that rumor? Men. Not audiences. Because I've sat in audiences. We did an all-female show. Yeah. Listen, and there's a lot of female comics that are not good. Right. (laughs) But there's a lot of male comics that are not good Here's the thing,
1: and I've said it on a million podcasts and I'll say it again. It's a game of ratio. There's just a lot less of us trying it. So the it's a it's a I would say it's a 30 seventy rule. Thirty percent of people who try comedy are good at it. Seventy percent suck. And there's a lot more men that try it. So their thirty yeah. percent is larger. Yeah. And there's a lot less women who try it. So it's and a don't ratio. you feel like thing. women quit too because women do quit. Yeah, they quit. But and men quit just as fast. I think yeah. it's just a ratio game because women in comedy are nice. we want other women. So yeah. we unless you're like a crazy old headliner who's like bitter, like that's I've only met like two in my life. Right. Every other female comic I've known has been kind and yes. wanted to be helpful. Yes. they Like they're never the one to like say some backhanded shit to you. They're always the one who's trying to make you feel better or be supportive or yeah. be kind. Yeah. I've never had any issues with females in comedy.
0: No, I haven't either. And I the mean, ones
1: I have with have ones that I can tell just don't like me or.
0: There's only one that I had a problem with and it was just, it was just a jealousy thing and it was really weird. And it was really stupid and it is what it is. But you know, a lot of people have told me they've had the same problem. Why are you growling? <laughs> you want to be on the podcast you, you want to say hello oh. he's like i like women comedy
1: i like women in comedy he's, he's upset about our feminism right I now i know he's, an he's ally. Like,
0: i was going to mention to you that there's a great book i don't know if you ever read it it's called fat is a feminist issue no and if you've never read it like i should I'm read it everybody and it's it's really really great so anyway we should probably wrap up yeah Thank you so much for coming Super out. Super fun.
1: Where can people see you and check you out? Um, go to com. I just uh, filled out the rest of my dates for the rest of the year. Um, okay. But I got a bunch of stuff coming up locally and a bunch of stuff on the road. I'll be in Sacramento. This I don't know when this is going up. When is this going up? Probably next week. Okay, so I'll be in Sacramento last week. Um, <laughs> it may go up by the end of the week, I'll depending be, on how <laughs> quick my husband gets to it. I'll be in Scottsdale uh, the 19th and the 20th, and then uh, you can catch me at the end of November at uh, Looney's Comedy Corner in Colorado Springs. And then... Uh, Miami, oklahoma i'm coming back out there to see y'all in the boondocks uh the first week of december and then i got a few other things rolling around so just go to dot follow me on social media that's where you get you know all my show updates yeah and
0: we'll post everything up on the page so cool. everybody
1: can find you cool
0: it's been a pleasure it was wonderful yeah i'd love
1: to do it again it was super you will, fun yeah super sure. fun
0: Well, that was a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have all my dates on my website, but I know I have some dates coming up at Hooters this month. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast and comment and uh, share it with your friends. And if there's any guests that you guys would like me to try to get a hold of or any topics you'd like me to talk about, please reach out via email and I will get back to you as quick as I can. Thanks for tuning
1: in. Some company Doesn't matter